Hello, hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Parks. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode with Dr. Tiffany Johnson from Prince William County for a discussion about lessons from the road to leadership. My name is Becky Dunlap, and if you're new here, welcome. And if you are a longtime listener, then welcome back. Let's Talk Parks is a podcast where we share the stories of purpose-driven parks and recreation professionals who are committed to challenging organizational norms and raising the bar in the field. We are an evolving resource to not only educate, but also inspire up and coming professionals to raise the bar in their agencies so that they can make a positive difference in their communities. So before we get started today, I actually wanted to share some upcoming events that might be relevant or useful for you, um, especially if you like the podcast. So these are in order of their date here, and I've got just three to share today. So March 19th, which is coming up next week, if you're listening in real time, is TEDx College Park. Um, And this one should be a a really good one. There's lots of good information out there about it, but it's all about creating an equal future, um, regardless of uh, gender, gender identity, color of one's skin, uh, zip code, all of that. And um, of course, we believe that here at Let's Talk Parks as well. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I believe it's a free event as well. So you can check that out on March 19th, TEDx College Park. Um, the second one I want to talk to you about is actually kind of a deeper dive from the conversation today. And that is with Dr. Tiffany Johnson, um, with Colorado parks and recreation association. So she's doing, um, a session with the exact title of this podcast, March 23rd at 1 PM. And I believe regardless of whatever state that you're in, you can actually join for that one as well. And then April 6th through 9th is the Active Living Conference. And the theme of this year is really about embracing active living and healthy lifestyles in order to overcome adversity in our lives. Um, It should be a really great event. I've been involved with planning and um, kind of collaborating on this and um, really encourage you to go check that out as well. That's the Active Living Conference, April 6th through 9th. And On that note, if you have an event or a program that you think would be of interest to our audience, you can email me at Becky at Let's Talk Parks with your event and date. And if it's relevant, we will share that on the podcast. No problem. Um, So yeah, let's get into it. In this episode, Dr. Tiffany Johnson sits down with Anthony Iraqi to talk to us about the leadership qualities that are still important in today's organizations and what we need to be aware of in the future with the rise of technology and innovation and just change in general. She talks to us about advice that she would give her past self and what she would tell other professionals right now who maybe are in a role that they would like to advance from. And I think that um, Tiffany is just a great example of being the change that you want to see. That's kind of her tagline and I love that so much and I'm just really thrilled to have her on the show. So now I'd love to share some more about our guest today. Dr. Tiffany Johnson is the Deputy Director for the Prince William County Department of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism. She is a certified parks and recreation professional that has also attained a Master's of Public Administration in Public Management, a Bachelor's of Science degree in Parks and Recreation Management, 
and a minor in business management. Tiffany is the past president of the National Recreation and Park Ethnic Minority Society and has more than 15 years of full-time professional work experience in the field of parks and recreation leadership. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Let's Talk Parks. Today, we are joined by Dr. Tiffany Johnson. She is the Deputy Director with the Prince William County Department of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism. And Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So Tiffany, you and I have known each other for a couple of years. We first got connected. We first got connected out in uh, NRPA. I do believe, I do believe maybe it was potentially um, Las Vegas um, or even St. Louis as well too. One of those, but you and I have known each other for a few years and I am proud to say that I am the same company as you as a Crawford Young Professional. So thank you for inspiring me those years ago to go out there and as you would say, be the change um, and try to impact parks and recreation. So thank you for joining me today for this conversation. And you are being just that change with this podcast alone. Like you've, you've done a lot of legwork and it's appreciated. And I want to say thank you. Definitely. Well, that definitely means a lot. So Tiffany, can you tell us your story, how you got into parks and recreation, um, a little bit more about the role you play today in your journey through the industry? Sure. Um, it actually seems like just yesterday I was where many of you all are. Um, I started Parks and Recreation chose me. I didn't choose it. Um, I was a program participant in Washington, D.C. with the D.C. Department of Parks and Recreation my entire childhood. That was my first job as a summer youth employee working summer camps. Went on um, to pursue a degree in Parks and Recreation Management from North Carolina Central University. Um, did my internship again with DC Department of Parks and Recreation. Um, worked on my master's um, and accepted a position with the Maryland National Capital Park and Planning Commission where I went and had an amazing time. Um, ooh, I learned a lot um, in the year and a half that I worked with the commission. Um, left there and went back to DC in a management capacity where I oversaw uh, several uh, recreation centers, recreation and community centers. Um, and then I, I did that for maybe another six or seven years. Um, in 2016, I moved to Seattle all the way across the country and accepted a position in um, management and leadership there where I oversaw six, uh, six community centers and I created a leadership series for um, women in the department. I did a lot of professional development stuff. I left Seattle. Um, in fact, on January the 20th, I relocated back to the East Coast, um, where I am for a position as the Deputy Director of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism uh, for Prince William County, Virginia, a very large, large community. Um, so that's pretty much my climb. I, I kind of walked into it. And um, yeah, it, it, the course, when you stay the course, the course treats you pretty well. So when you moved to Seattle, was that the first time you had moved that far across the country like that? Uh, 2,543 miles to be exact. Yes, um, that was my first time. And it was probably the best thing that I could have done for my career. Um, it stretched me. It was uncomfortable because I wasn't close to family and friends. But 
just the experience of East Coast culture versus West Coast culture. Um, it definitely opened up my mind and my heart um, more to social equity and some of the inequalities that exist. Um, and it just kind of strengthened me around like sensitivity and like language. Um, instead of saying a homeless person, you say a person is experiencing homelessness, um, understanding the, the needs of the LGBTQ population and just being inclusive of all diversities and ethnicities and making sure that we were like meeting people where they were with having like our print in different languages. Uh, Seattle was a definitely an eye opener and it was one of the greatest things that happened in my career. Um, not to discredit any of the other things that, that happened because I think that each level and each organization prepared me for that next level. You know, I, I definitely, so I too moved across the country and I would definitely agree and echo a lot of the sentiment that you felt. I moved from Michigan to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So I went from the Midwest to, you know, the deep South effectively all the way down there. And it was a completely different culture in so many different ways, but it was something that was definitely very formative for me in understanding, you know, getting to know other people, how different park and rec systems operate. Breck, as we know, fantastic park and rec department down that way. And I, I really, I like when I hear other people who have done that because I think it's one of the best things that you can do for your career if you have the, the, the emotional capacity, right? Because it is a pretty big move to go somewhere you don't know and for a job and you never quite know how it's going to work out. But when you're young um, and you don't really have, you know, the things that maybe strongly tie you down that might tie others down, it's, it's definitely something to consider, especially as our industry shifts a little bit and people become more remote and maybe there's people moving, you know, outside the Midwest or other areas, just taking that leap, right? Taking that jump and going somewhere where, you're a bit of a stranger and it's a different culture, but you grow so much. Would you, would you agree with that or add anything to that? Absolutely. I always tell people uh, when people ask me, how did I make the jump? I said, sometimes you have to go in order to grow. And so mm -hmm. um, hearing that advice from like mentors who have done the same and seeing like where they are professionally um, was something of benefit. Just having that, that, pool of mentors like from NRPA, from like social media, um, just being able to ask them questions along the journey kind of helps a little bit too. I couldn't agree more. So that's, I mean, that could almost be a whole nother episode taking a leap like that. But today we are talking about our topic, Lessons to the Road in Leadership. And so one of the things I did want to ask you so what type of traits do you think previous leaders have had that are still important in our workplace today? I think now, even more so with everything that's happening in the world, is um, the ability to be present, um, whether that's using technology, whether that's in person in some jurisdictions or some parts of the country. Um, I know in Virginia, we, we are at 75%, and so we have meetings in person sometimes. Um, but just being relatable, um, letting people know that they're human, but um, also not taking it personally, like understanding that um, that level of professionalism has nothing to do with your personal opinions about things, um, but definitely being present, um, 
exemplifying empathy, um, investing in, in people, like professional development is extremely important. I think that those are the biggest takeaways and just holding people accountable. Um, those traits are traits that I've taken from every effective leader um, that I have met and every theological perspective that I have researched. Uh, so I think that all of those values are really important. So when you look at some of the up and coming leaders in our field, um, what do you see as the key skills and traits that maybe some of the previous generations might not have had? Um, this podcast is an example of it. Um, as technology has advanced over the years, uh, the the up-and-coming leaders have more access to more people in less time. So just like when when COVID hit, like the amount of in-person stuff just eliminated and people were able to, to reach the masses, um, more people in less time. And so I think that that's one thing. I think creativity and innovation, um, not being afraid to do things differently, you know, uh, currently, we have five generations in the workplace, and all five generations communicate differently. All five generations have different expectations. I can't say that my generation or the gen generation coming after me will be a generation of people, professionals that stay at an organization for 20 years, whereas the generations before us, that was the security that they, they wanted. Um, I think that there's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of innovative things that's happening. There are new approaches to things. I think that's the, the greatest thing. Like technology has changed the game and the way that we do business, you know? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, the whole virtual environment and conferences and professional developments and just the way that we can meet, you know, people in their homes and outside of community centers and you know, we're always good at meeting people in parks, right? Like we don't necessarily need the four walls to engage. Um, but just having the opportunity to utilize technology to broaden that reach and get more people together, I think is something that's really, really fantastic. And so in your work, you know, over the past year with COVID, you know, between um, the, the places that you've, you've been, is there something in terms of technology that you're really impressed by or a program you put in or something that you really, you know, wowed yourself or wowed others with, or just was impactful to you? Um, yes, yes. And yes. Uh, we'll start with programming. Uh, the virtual platform um, provides more access to people who may have physical limitations and, or transportation barriers. Uh, they don't have to come to a community center or a rec center. Um, we can go to them. Um, I think the technology also has made meetings more effective. Um, we realized that a lot of meetings could have been emails. Um, additionally, I've been hosting cross-country, like having cross-country conversations around uh, professional development. In fact, you participated on the certified park and recreation um, and executive discussion. Uh, we just did a cross-country um, registration software webinar um, in about a week, doing a women in facilities and grounds maintenance webinar. I think that we are able to reach more people um, in a different platform. So I'm loving the use of technology uh, right now and the advances that we have. 
I would agree. I think that, you know, I see the work you're doing with all those different, different platforms and discussions and conversations and opportunities. And, you know, it's, it's interesting too. I remember you had asked me to be a part of one a couple of years ago. And at the time it felt so new. I think I, I called in on Skype and I was really nervous and talking at my phone and it was just something a bit, it felt, it felt a bit foreign to me. And now, you know, a couple of years later, it's, virtual presentations or engagement has just kind of become the fabric of our, our day in the industry. And I really like what you said about, you know, the outreach and, and meeting people where they're at. And so do you see any challenges with it though? I mean, we're all kind of gung ho on technology and everybody is, you know, kind of rah, rah forward with it, but is there anything maybe that's kind of like you're a little hesitant on anything to consider in that, in that area? I wouldn't necessarily say hesitant, but I do think that technology has its barriers as well. Um, the work that we do in parks, recreation, tourism um, throughout the country is very personable. Um, sometimes technology takes away that body language that you may get in person. Um, I, I worry about our youth and their, their social capacity, um, especially our elementary school kids who are in the formative years of their lives where they're used to hugging their friends and they're used to being able to just run around with, with their friends. And now a lot of them are having to sit at home at a computer. Um, as an adult, it's a challenge for me to sit at a computer very long. So if anything is over like 50 minutes, I'm challenged with that. I have to take a break. And I recognize that in my own leadership style and just my own personal um, stuff. Like That's why I chose this career because this is a career of movement. We're constantly moving. We're constantly engaging. I think that technology takes away that personal element sometimes. I think that's that's probably the only challenge. And I, I worry about um, the social capacity of our future generation. Um, and this is going to be the generation that has to take care of us. But I, I my biggest concern is like their ability to just hold a conversation with a person in public without it not being like, 36 characters, you know what I mean? Oh, I totally know what you mean. It's definitely a shift. So you, know, you talked about your leadership style and, you know, roping it back into everything with, you know, what we we're talking about with technology is that presence component. And so being present with individuals and, you know, that face-to-face in the relationship building. So in reflecting on leadership, do you think that leadership is something that can be taught or do you think it's a natural trait and if it's something that you think can be taught, how are the best ways that we can learn it? That's a great question. Um, as a scholar and a doctor, I have to say both and. I have okay. to say both and. Okay. I think that some people are, um, are born to lead. Um, as a child, I was called a bossy girl. No, those are leadership skills. Like, the language and the delivery that we give people, we, we told kids that they're bossy when they're in fact leadership skills. And so I think that some things are, are natural and then some things are also taught when you think about from like a theoretical view and having evidence to back up why this happens or why this does not happen or why organizational leadership and why leaders um, are not successful or how leaders are successful. I think that some of it's taught and some of it's um, natural. Um, I do encourage, I encourage all leaders to look at different leaders and different leadership styles um, 
because one person's leadership style may not be yours. Your leadership style may be a combination of, of people's leadership styles. You got to figure out and um, what what your fit is as a leader. Like you don't want to be exactly like that person that you may um, look up to, but just like taking tad bits of, of leadership skills that they use to fit your approach and your delivery. So along your path then um, and, and what you've learned and what you've gone through, what are some of the maybe bumps in the roads or some of the biggest challenges you faced and the lessons you learned that you feel our listeners could really take something away from? Um, I think the biggest area of growth, I didn't have too many stumbles. I had, I had some challenges. Don't get me wrong. Um, being a program participant and then coming back to be a supervisor. Um, I think that was, that was a challenge um, initially in, in my career in DC because people saw me as that, that young child, that program participant. And so now it's my responsibility to be a supervisor and a leader. So um, my, my best friend and I, we do sessions at, at NRPA every here and there. And one of the ones that we did a couple of years back was going from peer to supervisor. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite sessions to present because there, there are challenges when you used to work alongside each other and talk about leadership, but now you are leadership, you know what I mean? And so just giving people some strategies to maneuver through that, I think that like platforms like this podcast, sessions at NRPA, like submitting those and, and getting those out there for people to engage with each other, to let them know that, you know, I'm not the only one having this, this struggle or this challenge. I think that's so important, that vulnerability piece where we can, you know, a lot of times people see on social media, the highlight reel, you know, they see the work that we do and the effort that we put in. But at the end of the day, there's a struggle for all of us as well. And when we can be transparent about that, I think it builds trust with people and it lets them know too, that builds a sense of confidence that they're not alone. I actually, I was at your presentation. I remember the, I remember from peer to leader and that was a fantastic presentation for a lot of reasons one the information delivered but just the chemistry between you and the other speaker and the way you talk to each other and the conversations that you emulated I think a lot of people in the audience could put themselves in your shoes in that moment and I think that that is it is tough right like going from stepping up from being a part of it into something else and so you know, I guess I don't, I don't want to re-ask the question and you can let me know if this is a similar type question, but you know, what advice would you give yourself, um, you know, from 10 years ago, you know, maybe what advice would you give yourself before you moved or when you started out in your career, just something that you wish somebody had told you? Mm. 10 years ago, I wish someone would have told me to, um, to follow what I want to do. Uh, I didn't start really believing that until maybe <laughs> seven or eight years, like be the change that you mm -hmm. want to see, be the change that you want to see. Don't be afraid to step outside of the box. Um, you don't have to check every box. Um, I do have some advice um, for young professionals. Um, but as for myself, 10 years ago, I wish that my mind was more open to the differences um, in our communities. Uh, instead of me just having like 
perspective of East Coast culture, perspective of just like my my family socialization, you know, uh, like my upbringing and thinking mm-hmm. that the rest of the world and the rest of the country operates that way. I wish that I had a more global perspective. Um, yeah, 10 years ago, I wish that I would have had more global perspective. And so it's important to, to have these conversations and these cross-country uh, conversations so that we we stay current, we stay relevant, and no matter where we go, we don't feel like we're behind. I couldn't agree more. And, and, and speaking of, you, you kind of segued right into our next question as well, too. From advice you would give yourself to advice you might give, you know, professionals in the field who feel like they're ready for the next step in their career, but maybe they don't have the title or responsibilities or power or influence at this time. What would you what would you say to them? Oh, I have a couple of things here. This is probably one of my favorite things to talk about. Oh, perfect. Uh, I would say um, lead. You don't have to have a title to lead. Um, find things that you love, things that you're passionate about. It, it won't feel like work. Uh, learn to incorporate those things into your, the position that you're in and share your story, oversell your story. That's how you get to that next level. Um, so basically let your passion lead the way and it'll feel like you never work a day in your life, honestly. I don't really feel like I have worked many days in this profession. I mean, like hard work, this is fun work. Um, I'd encourage young professionals to, and you can speak to this, find mentors both inside and outside of your department and the profession. Like, It's good to have mentors outside of the profession as well because they, they give a neutral perspective um, to you. It's, in, it's extremely important to just stay in touch and have that constant communication once you start connecting with these mentors. That's like overly important. It, um, I know I wouldn't be where I am had I not had mentors, both inside my organization, outside my organization, wherever I am geographically or not. Um, oh, take advantage again, and you can relate to this, like take advantage of volunteer scholarship, fellowship, certification and award opportunities. I hope that somebody that's on this, listening to this podcast will will join the ranks of the the Anthony Araggies, the uh, Kara Kishes, the Shane Rises, the Tiffany Johnsons, to, to be a Crawford young professional like that. That community is, um, is, is amazing. We can always lean on each other, and I really do appreciate it. Um, but there's so many opportunities that are available, not only through NRPA, but your state associations as well. Um, I, I'd encourage you to step out of your comfort zone um, by networking with professionals that don't look like you, that don't come from the same demographic or, or, or background that you have. Um, be a constant learner. Seek educational and professional development opportunities. Uh, that always helps with your growth. Um, the NRPA schools are amazing. Uh, supervisors Management School, Revenue, Special Event, uh, Director School. Those are opportunities to further broaden your horizon. Um, and help you to develop your professional pursuits. You might not even know um, that there is an area in parks and recreation that you want to explore just basically by being in your current role. Uh, Surround yourself around positive people and definitely avoid that water cooler. Once you get your name gets attached with like being a a Debbie Downer or just negative like or pessimistic, people 
um, want to help you to elevate to that next level when you can see the brighter picture and when there's some optimism there. And so I say that, like, but don't forget to think and dream big. You may not be in that position currently, but you have to operate like it's you're you're in it. So basically, once you get to it, you've already felt like you were in it. Work hard and share your passion with your community too. We can't forget about community. Community is super important. And then um, I have two more. You got to stay focused and determined and driven through it all. It gets rough. It does. Every day is not peaches and green, and every no two days are alike. Um, but just staying focused and remembering your why. And then the last thing that I would encourage and say, and um, this is probably like my life quote, be the change that you want to see. I've said it a couple of times. Um, you have to be the change that you want to see. If, if something isn't the way that you, you want it, you have the opportunity to change it, whether that's in the current organization that you're in or if that's in somewhere else. Again, sometimes you have to go to grow. And in all of my experiences, I had to go in order to grow for that next leadership position. That was a lot. Sorry. No, that I was sitting here nodding my head the whole time and taking some notes down as well, too. It's always amazing to hear you speak, Tiffany. You have such a, an amazing story and you're, you're so inspirational. And, you know, the be the change, I, I see you post that often and talk about it often and it resonates. It really does resonate. And it's it's so true that, you know, whatever we, we want to see in the world, it, it really does start with us. And for you to champion that, I think is, is so impactful. And so I appreciate your words. Um, I do have one last question for you that to kind of wrap things up. And we always like to ask this question of all of our guests. So what do you think it means to raise the bar in the field of parks and recreation? What does that mean to you? Wow, that means so many things. To raise the bar, you have to, one, be the change. Two, you have to be innovative and, and think differently. Um, that that black and white checklist does not work. I tell people all the time I have a rainbow checklist. I'm all over the place. Um, just raising the bar just means being strategic, planning ahead of time, whether that's your schedule, whether that's your, your special events, whether that's your strategic or comprehensive plans once you get to, to that next level. Um, but just you can never be too prepared. I think raising the bar means planning ahead. It sounds like I got bars. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like continuing to network and find creative ways to do things. I think that right now is a prime time for us to, to, to see how we can raise the bar. Nobody thought that we would be able to provide programs and services when COVID hit last mm -hmm. year. Nobody. And so people stepped up and have been raising the bar and seeing that we can do some innovative things non-traditionally. I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't agree more. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. It has been a pleasure as always. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule. And I know that our listeners will be very thankful as well too. So thank you for joining us. Um, you know, we will look forward to seeing more of you in the future We'll keep an eye out for a lot of the other big things you have going on. And we'll remember to be the change in parks and recreation. So thank I you. Have one, I have one last thing. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Encore. Yeah. Encore. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me 
lastly, um, but pay it forward. And as you climb, continue to lift those. So lift as you climb. That's, that's it. And that's all. Mm-hmm. Lift as you climb. I like that. All right. We'll talk with you soon. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you. Yep. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Parks. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode with Dr. Tiffany Johnson from Prince William County for a discussion about lessons from the road to leadership. My name is Becky Dunlap, and if you're new here, welcome. And if you are a longtime listener, then welcome back. Let's Talk Parks is a podcast where we share the stories of purpose-driven parks and recreation professionals who are committed to challenging organizational norms and raising the bar in the field. We are an evolving resource to not only educate, but also inspire up and coming professionals to raise the bar in their agencies so they can make a positive difference in their communities. So before we get started today, I actually wanted to share some upcoming events that might be relevant or useful for you, um, especially if you like the podcast. So these are in order of their date here, and I've got just three to share today. So March 19th, which is coming up next week, if you're listening in real time, is TEDx College Park. Um, And this one should be a a really good one. Um, There's lots of good information out there about it, but it's all about creating an equal future, um, regardless of uh, gender, gender identity, color of one's skin, uh, zip code, all of that. And um, of course, we believe that here at Let's Talk Parks as well. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I believe it's a free event as well. So you can check that out on March 19th, TEDx College Park. Um, The second one I want to talk to you about is actually kind of a deeper dive from the conversation today. And that is with Dr. Tiffany Johnson um, with Colorado Parks and Recreation Association. So she's doing um, a session with the exact title of this podcast, March 23rd at 1 p.m. And I believe regardless of whatever state that you're in, you can actually join for that one as well. And then April 6th through 9th is the Active Living Conference. And the theme of this year is really about embracing active living and healthy lifestyles in order to overcome adversity in our lives. Um, It should be a really great event. I've been involved with planning and um, kind of collaborating on this and um, really encourage you to go check that out as well. That's the Active Living Conference, April 6th through 9th. On that note, if you have an event or a program that you think would be of interest to our audience, you can email me at Becky at Let's Talk Parks with your event and date. And if it's relevant, we will share that on the podcast. No problem. Um, So yeah, let's get into it. In this episode, Dr. Tiffany Johnson sits down with Anthony Iraqi to talk to us about the leadership qualities that are still important in today's organizations and what we need to be aware of in the future with the rise of technology and innovation and just change in general. She talks to us about advice that she would give her past self and what she would tell other professionals right now who maybe are in a role that they would like to advance from. And I think that um, Tiffany is just a great example of being the change that you want to see. That's kind of her 
tagline and I love that so much and I'm just really thrilled to have her on the show. All right, so I would love to share more about our guest today, Dr. Tiffany Johnson. So now I would love to share some more about our guest today. Dr. Tiffany Johnson is the Deputy Director for the Prince William County Department of Parks, Recreation and Tourism. She is a certified parks and recreation professional that has also attained a Master's of Public Administration in Public Management, a Bachelor's of Science degree in Parks and Recreation Management, and a minor in Business Management. Tiffany is a Tiffany is the past president of the National Recreation and Park Ethnic Minority Society and has more than 15 years of full-time professional work experience in the field of parks and recreation leadership. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs> 